Welcome to the Plan C Podcast. Hi, welcome to this episode of the Plan C Podcast. I'm Dave Lester. Due to personal circumstances, I was unable to attend this particular conversation. However, there's two great takeaways for me having listened back to it. The first one is about cultural curiosity and creating safe spaces for people to be culturally curious, to be able to explore the differences and the diversities, to be able to ask questions. The second one is that diversity is an art. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Plan C podcast. I'm Neil Gibb, and today I'm going to be speaking to Nena Ilamachina. The theme of this podcast is the experiences of a multicultural nomad, and you'll see why we use that title in a second. Nena was born in Rome, her parents are Nigerian. She was brought up in Ghana. She went to university in America. And for the last 20 years, she's lived in the UK. And she's also spent some time living and working in Dubai. Then as a managing director at the strategy and consulting company Accenture, uh, she's a sponsor of Diversity Inclusion Agenda in Accenture. And this year, she was a finalist in the 2020 Black British Business Awards. So hello, Nena. Hi, Neil. Great to be here. It's good to have you here. And, and you know, there's so many places I could start with, uh, with talking to, uh, to you, but I'd really like to start by asking you about this, this title, Sponsor of Diversity and Inclusion Agenda. What, what does that mean and what's that about? Well, thanks, Neil. Well, first of all, um, A, thank you for having me here today. I think that uh, I'm, I'm really um, pleased to be here. Uh, but secondly, I just want to make sure that I mention that I'm here really, um, the views that I'm sharing here are my views and not the views of, uh, of the company that I work for, which is Accenture. Um, and, uh, and I'm happy to have this conversation. What does it mean to, to be a sponsor for inclusion and diversity? Well, first of all, I mean, I think we're all clear on what, on what sponsorship means. And clearly, I have a vested interest as a leader and, and being a, a Black leader at Accenture and ensuring that our agenda around inclusion and diversity, of which we've made some very clear, bold statements out to the market about our ambitions, um, to make sure that those are met, and especially in the in the strategy and consulting um, practice, of which we're over 3,000 consultants. Um, I'm not an expert. Um, that's not the point of being a sponsor. Really, the point of being a sponsor is to make sure that we I am providing the right guidance um, and and and. Uh, ensuring that our that our continued transformation um, to being a to, to truly embedding an inclusive culture is maintained and that we continue to be leaders in in ensuring that the environment in which our our consultants and strategists work is is truly inclusive so my role is to work with um, the the teams that are working on these transformation programs the HR, business partners um, to make sure that I'm questioning and I'm guiding and I'm providing a perspective and my perspective and the perspective of, of leaders and the perspective of analysts and consultants um, to make sure that we really drive impact in what we're doing. I think many companies and organizations have a lot of initiatives that are ongoing, but you know it is a long journey and things don't turn overnight. But this ongoing transformation, we need to be able to ensure that we're driving impact and that we're seeing the impact, however small, you know, on a daily basis. And that's really where I see my role is to, to focus on where we're really driving impact, where, where can we really start to see some results. And, and it's not so much about 
the diversity aspect of things, but a lot more about the inclusion aspect of things. How are we creating an environment that is truly inclusive for all cultures, all backgrounds, all genders, etc.? Well, I just want to challenge you immediately when you say you're not an expert, because when I when I listen to your biography, you know, you were born in southern Europe, you were brought up in Africa, you've got African parents, you then went to America, you've lived in the UK, you know, you've been around a lot, and you're a, a successful um, business person, you're a successful female black business person. So you've obviously had to confront a lot of the things that these initiatives are out to kind of uh, be at work on. So what, what would you say... Um, you know, what are you doing? I suppose. Yeah. You know, what? What? what you know, uh, sometimes it's a blind spot. You know. First of all, what's in the way? And secondly, what are you doing to encourage and increase uh, inclusion within your organisation? Um, so it's interesting that you say that I'm that I'm an expert, or I should be considered an expert given my background. The thing, the key thing about inclusion and diversity is that it is diverse, and and my experience is not necessarily you know, the lived experience of, of all of the 3,000, for example, 500, you know, consultants and, um, and, and strategists at Accenture. So um, there are people out there who've actually, you know, have PhDs in studying this sort of stuff so that they have the perspective of all backgrounds and they understand the psychology behind all of this and what really creates an inclusive environment. I can share my perspectives and I think the things that I think um, I have had to, to live through an experience and, and where I felt more included and where I haven't felt more included. And so, yes, I have a perspective and I have a vested interest, but I would never claim to be an expert. I'm just sharing my lived experiences. So um, maybe to get to my lived experiences, I do think that, um, you know, before inclusion and diversity became a thing in corporate, in the corporate world, I mean, I was fortunate enough to um, have gone to an international school. I mean, you, you know anything about international schools in my high school back there. It's all around inclusion, right? Because, you know, in, 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 in the school we had, you know, over 100 different nationalities. And the way in which we are brought up is really to uh, focus on on the understanding of different cultures and different backgrounds. It's all about, that's what makes the world a better place is if you are uh, culturally curious, um, if, you, if you get to know what it is like to be, you know, Lebanese or Nigerian or Ghanaian or American. Um, and, and we were all brought up with that curiosity. And actually there was, you know, yes, while, of course, in Ghana at the time, there was probably a dominance of, in, in that international school, there was a dominance of uh, of Lebanese and Indian people from the Middle East and from South Asia and from, because there were a lot um, doing business in, in, in Ghana. So a lot of them did attend um, the international school, lots of expatriates from that part of the world, but also um, lots of, you know, um, uh, expatriates from the UN or um, ambassadors, children, people who were in the high commissions, et cetera. So it was a very big mix. Um, and, you know, while we lived in Ghana, I will say we probably lived in a bit of a bubble um, of, of that expatriate community. And so there was no sense of, you know, being a minority or, you know, or being, you know, excluded because we were all included. It was just the way we lived. And so um, I think one of the reasons why I struggled at first when I got to the United States, for example, 
to go to university was because suddenly it was it was strange to be you know surrounded by you know lots of america the americans or the african americans found it quite strange if i was hanging around and and very comfortable in an environment that was mostly white americans or or you know people from very different you know backgrounds and and it was seen as as almost a betrayal to have a lots of friends who were not black and i found that very strange because i'd come from an environment where it was a good thing that was exactly what you were supposed to do, was just integrate mix talk to people find out about different facts get excited about the fact that you were meeting someone from a very different place and then you'd have lots of questions and lots of you know finding shared experiences because you'll find that just because someone grew up in Milwaukee in America doesn't mean that they don't have shared experiences with someone who grew up in Ethiopia or Ghana or whatever it might be so for me it was always about that curiosity and finding the the the, the commonalities but also being curious about the differences and 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 learning from those differences so so and i think that was powerful um and and i and i craved those sorts of environments so when i didn't find that sort of environment in america it was very easy for me because i had spent a lot of time in london also growing up thinking well actually london which is a microcosm of you know people from all over the world was a kind of place that i really wanted to spend more time or even you know parts of new york city or cities that were multicultural in nature and that Uh, encourage that mixing with the sorts of places that I felt more comfortable. That was all before inclusion and diversity became a thing, right? Um, that was all before I started working. And I've worked for many years um, in America and, as you mentioned earlier, and also in, in the UK and in Dubai, etc. And I found that the places where that, you know, mix is encouraged and driven, and it's not all about just being a part of of one group but being a part of multiple groups i think that's where the power comes in because it drives that understanding and and that being comfortable you know asking questions being comfortable understanding that you're in a safe space it's okay to be different uh, and that's what i think we are trying to drive more at least i am trying to drive more when i think about the sorts of initiatives that we should be encouraging in the workplace is that safe space where people are curious and want to understand each other's backgrounds and want to find the commonalities but also celebrate the differences yeah one of the reasons we this podcast is to look for you know, to set off on a conversation and look for the insight that emerges out of the conversation and i think the thing you pointed out there which is for me that you know it's, it, like a lot of things it's obvious when you've said it is this point of cultural curiosity you know when i look at all the the, the problems on social media is no one's curious on social media right they're all going in with their point of view and they want to prove they're right and someone else is wrong so it's a great starting point but i also thought um a city like new york as a metaphor for an organization is kind of interesting you because know, you've got these and London's the same you do have um it's very multicultural but it's not homogenous you have different areas you know you have poor areas rich areas you have areas which are strongly you know asian and within that different you know i used to live in tooting in london and there'd be the nepalese would move into the where the pakistani people lived or the indian people right you know you see all these different areas and uh, so i'm wondering um, what there might be to learn from that experience of living in places like new york that might apply to an organization like uh, accenture which is huge right i mean you are you are a country almost in the, the numbers of people yeah. you have. <laughs> yeah no kidding yeah it's uh 
And that, that, that in itself has been an experience for me in the last four years being at such a large organization, but we can come to that topic um, at a different point in the conversation. But to answer your question specifically, um, it's interesting that you highlight New York maybe a little bit differently from London, because I see them actually as quite different um, in the sense that, and this is my perspective again, maybe not necessarily everyone's experience, but I find that the multicultural aspect of New York only lives in maybe very small pockets. Um, and, and I, and, and, you know, maybe in Soho or, you know, those parts of New York where there is a melding of different cultures. I have a very different experience in New York if I'm in the meatpacking district or in, 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 you know, lower Manhattan than if I am in the Upper East Side or the Upper West Side of New York City. I think when I'm in certain parts of New York City, it is actually quite um not very diverse, actually. It's, it is, uh, what I find about New York as a whole is that um, while there's many different cultures living there, they actually don't integrate very well with each other. And again, my experience, and I haven't lived in New York um, significantly over the last 20 years, but when I visit New York, I do find that there's still much more separation of cultures than in London, for example, where in central London, and maybe you could, you know, from a, a space perspective, it's similar to maybe downtown um, Manhattan. But London, I find, and also I think even, even in the way, um, you know, the 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 spread of um, of, of wealthy for, and 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 not so wealthy being melded into environments into into neighborhoods. Is um, is actually much more in the in, in London, which pushes a bit a, be, a better mix of of social um, economic backgrounds as well as um, you know international um, multicultural backgrounds. So I think we can learn more, or organizations can probably learn more from a London construct, in my humble opinion, than New York, because I think New York will be great lots of different cultures but not necessarily very included in many parts of the city whereas in london because we're forced to almost for space perspective and just um london is a microcosm the whole uk is not like that obviously um but in london you know down the road i have you know Edger Road, which is which is which is a melding of very wealthy people from the Middle East, as well as very normal people from the Middle East. They were all right here at my doorstep, for example. And then I, you know, move a little bit to St John's Wood, and there's a lot of I just have to take a few steps, and there's I'm in St John's Wood, which is you know more Jewish, American, etc., and some Brits as well. And it's all very well sort of you know integrated, I think. Um, and and I think what we should be trying to and, and therefore, you know, there is a a um, you are forced to integrate and not and forced to understand, you know, and 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 live comfortably in, in that environment. Then and this is probably in the ideal world. Then I think in places where in New York, where unless you happen to be in an 
uh, an international family or international environment, you don't necessarily go to a nightclub and surround yourself or go to a restaurant and are surrounded by people from very different backgrounds. You don't really find that as much in New York as you do in London. I didn't, you know, when we talked beforehand and uh, we didn't talk at all that we'd be talking about this. So it's kind of interesting where the conversation's already gone. But I, you know, I was thinking um, that, you know, when I look on the BBC sometimes, it's really great that the BBC is driving an agenda around inclusion and diversity. But sometimes it can seem like a a numbers game that every program, you know, you're going to have one black person, one Asian person, three of these, you know, one gay person, et cetera, et cetera. Which means after a while, you just begin to see the same configuration. So there's no diversity in that. It's becoming quite formulaic. Yeah. So there is that. (laughs) And also there's that thing that sometimes you want to be around people you identify with through your, you know, your race or ethnicity or, or, you know, more subtle things. You know, I think what gets called psychographics, you know, things that you have in common. So there's that kind of dilemma about how you how you balance that um and maybe there isn't an answer to that but i'm i'm interested to know you know what if if there's anything that you're up to at the moment in terms of trying to create an environment that's more inclusive you know when you talk about impact i mean ultimately it's about doing things you know what sort of things might you be at work on so um if i can just i'll answer that question in a minute if i can just touch on something you said about it being quite formulaic at this point in time and i think that is is it, it does lead into what we're doing or, or what the agenda that we're trying to drive, which is it has to be formulaic at the beginning to almost force people to then see things as normal and then it becomes almost natural. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's that whole thing about, and you, you probably know that, you know, about, you know, you have to be doing things consciously before you start to do things, you know, eventually they become unconscious and, and just natural. So, so I think, at the start, it feels uncomfortable. It feels formulaic. But like I, you know, the, the point that you were making, I don't think it's just the BBC and I don't watch a huge amount of TV. But for example, when I do, you know, my mother's staying with me right now. So she watches a lot more TV. So it's usually on um, in the living room. And what I've noticed recently is that almost every ad, it is very formulaic. Almost every advertising spot, you know, has a multicultural couple and a mixed race child or something like that. Or it even seeing, you know, um, very different family constructs in in the in the advertising which i think is so interesting it's it's it stands out very clearly to me and it is in some ways it becomes quite formulaic but then i think about the fact that the young kids watching this now you know will see it as completely natural and so the next generation of people will just it'll just be natural it will just they will just not be thinking that oh that's odd to have such a an interesting construct of a family maybe two mothers two fathers or or whatever it might be so so I think what we're trying to do leading into what we're trying to do in the organization is, is you're going to have to start to force some formulaic things, which will eventually become natural and become un- unconscious. Um, speaking of unconscious, um, we're looking at things in almost three levels, right? There's the things that you need to do to, um, to educate people um, or to, to get people comfortable with the topic, uh, you know, um, hosting sessions where people just come into a safe space and can ask the questions that they might be not very comfortable asking those questions in in general environments. So, so first of all, it's about creating that safe space. And so we're doing a few things around, let's talk about race sessions, for example. Um, we are uh, putting, uh, whether, whether you call it reverse mentoring or not, we're, we're, we're linking up some of our um, diverse talent with you know, senior 
um, white male, white female, whatever it might be, to sort of just have them, you know, force the, in some ways, force the um, interaction that may not naturally happen. Um, so pairing people up to have those sorts of conversations or just general conversations, but just the kind of conversation that they typically wouldn't have. Because one of the things that you'll find is in, you know, a company like uh, Accenture or, or, or consulting firms is a very networked environment in terms of how you, you you learn about different things, how you how you get staffed on projects. Yes, of course, there's processes in place to to make certain things happen in an unbiased way. And, and, and that's part of what we're doing is making sure that those decisions are made in an unbiased way. But also, in many ways, you just have to network. People just have to know you. They have to know what you've worked on. They have to get comfortable with you. And then you're more likely to to to, to work the, the process more effectively. And so trying to force those maybe uncomfortable situations of conversation is a lot of what we're doing. And just giving the um, the, the the leaders of the firm, the managers of the firm, the data, the information to understand why this is so important. So that's one. Second thing we're doing, obviously, is um, working with various organizations on accelerator programs or sponsorship programs to ensure that our Black talent and diverse talent, being talent, whatever you want to call it, um, and women, um, are getting the sponsorship um, and support because, as you probably know, the problem is not typically in the recruiting, right? Um, We get people in at junior levels very easily. Um, What is more challenging is the acceleration and development through the firms, through such a network of organizations. So so the, the first initiatives, the set of initiatives that I talked about are about making the place more inclusive. The second is about ensuring that the people that do are, are in this system of, of, of diverse backgrounds have the opportunity, the same sort of opportunities around sponsorship, mentoring, development, um, and, and just ensuring they don't fall through the cracks in that sense. So while we're working through the biases in the system, we just have to make sure that we I like to think about it as we're in a restructuring moment. So during a restructuring moment, you have to kind of really pick out some very specific um, uh, sort of treatments um, around pockets in the organization to make sure that all the talent get the same access to the development and mentoring and sponsorship that all other talent would. Um, And so that's the second set of of things that we're doing. And then the second set, uh, the third um, set of things that I'm also very passionate about is the things that we're doing out in the community um, to make sure that we are investing not only inside of our organization, but also outside our organizations to ensure that the pipeline remains buoyant and that the communities, so for example, we've just been um, been working with uh, different organizations around ensuring that they the mentoring in the community is um, is is unbiased as well, and that the there are opportunities that are given for Black talent in different uh, technology um, sectors and in creative sectors as well. So we're really working with partnering with uh, with charity organizations, not-for-profit organizations out there to ensure that that we we also um, not only focus on the internal, but also the uh, what we can be doing in the community. I was. Um, it's it's really great. I think I'm really glad you said this so overtly. That when to do something like this, you have to be conscious. Uh, you have to be oh, not exactly formulaic, but pro, process driven. 
You know, it's, uh, it's a phrase that I often use with my clients when I would say, as they were going, why does this feel so awkward? And it's like, disruption is disruptive, right? So you, dis- you are disrupting the system. And um, as you were talking, I was just thinking, coincidentally, a friend of mine sent me a quote I haven't seen for years by Charlie Parker. You know, someone said, Charlie, how do you become a, a famous jazz musician? He says, you practice, you practice, you practice, and then you throw it all away and you just wail, right? Yeah. And so it's yeah. like you know, practicing your music. It's not necessarily that fun but you have to do it and then eventually and you get good at it exactly um, very process driven at the beginning it can be quite boring and quite oh not again but you just have to do it and the more you do it then suddenly you wake up one day and you're doing it on you're doing it completely naturally um without realizing that it's actually all those things that you practice so hard that that allow you to naturally respond to things in a certain way I was also thinking, though, I've spent a lot of time in culture change projects, and what I th- I'm fascinated by culture, and there's certainly far easier ways to make a living than in culture change. And, you know, one of the reasons I found is that, you know, cultures don't like being changed. Um, I was talking to a client recently where I did what I thought was a great piece of work about three years ago, and we had something that in consulting language I've heard called tissue reaction, you know, where they the senior members of the people who brought me in to do some work were like, what are you doing? You know, And then three years later, they get in touch. This has happened a few times going, that work you did was great. You know, We didn't realize it at the time. Um, so obviously, you're doing something um, quite sort of profound. Um, so I, I suppose there's two questions, really. How do, you, um, how do you put in the structures to kind of deal with that inevitable kind of reaction you're going to get from any system? You know? Um, and well, that might be it. That's probably only one question, actually. Yeah, um, the tissue, the tissue rejection. Of course, reaction. It could be a rejection. It could be a reaction. It can be a yeah. And, and we had a um, we had a an interesting session actually just uh, last week. It was and um, where we 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 opened it up to 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 the safe space to allow people to sort of share some of their reactions to what's going on. Um, And of course, this is, you know, several months down the line from, from, from the sort of social, you know, George Floyd incident that really, you know, sort of flared up the the discussion again, which is fantastic that 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 the discussion has been going on and we're making sure that it's not just a moment in time, but it actually continues to propagate in everything that we do. But there was this, you know, environment where people, and this is great that people felt comfortable enough to say things like, you know, why? Why are we talking only about, you know, the Afro-Caribbean, for example, um, uh, community? What about, you know, I'm an, you know, I'm a Jewish, you know, immigrant from, you know, X country and, and, and I feel like I'm a minority as well. And, and what about, you know, I'm a person from, you know, Asia, whatever it is, and I'm different as well. Um, and, and I think one of the things that, that, you know, was fantastic was that we had the opportunity to have that conversation, right? Because I think when people feel like they can say those sorts of things, then, then it becomes less of a negative reaction, but more of a, again, an inclusive, you know, environment where, you know, yes, we hear you. So let's give you the data so that you understand why we are taking a, you know, restructuring approach to this problem, right? <laughs> why, why we're really focusing in on this one community right now, because the numbers in that one community, here's what it's looking like, right? Being able to provide that information, that data, 
And that, you know, gets, we're not saying we're, you know, ignoring all these other things or we're not going to, 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 um, to handle these other changes, but recognize that in some pockets of diversity and inclusion, we're really, really far behind. So what we're trying to do is bring everybody up to the same level. And, and actually, um, we focused a lot on things like gender. We focused a lot on, on certain other, um, you know, on, on, on LGBTQ, which is great. And we will continue to do those things. But right now, because we're so far behind in some of these particular areas, like the Afro-Caribbean um, uh, agenda, we, we just need to make sure that we give a little extra shot there to boost us up and we'll all be at the same level and let's keep going again. But we're not going to stop the things that we're doing for everyone else. So I think it's being able to have those sorts of open conversations and actually understand how, understand, it's back to that word of understanding, understand how everyone in the community is feeling about these things and understand that everybody has the data and information as to why certain things are being done. Um, and then, but also, I mean, let's not pretend it's all, you know, happy-go-lucky because if, if after you've provided all the data and after you've provided all the information and if there are people who are still not on board, then, then you're really not right for the culture that we're trying to create. So maybe maybe you shouldn't be here if you really have a serious, um, and that's my, again, my perspective, but it's important to allow people to have those conversations. It's important to allow people to, to, to discuss and talk about things. But if you're really not that interested in, in creating an inclusive environment for all, then then there's there's only so far we can go, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think there's so many things you said in that. I think I think first of all that I love that idea of creating safe spaces so people can sort of you know tell their truth, express their concerns. Because, uh, but then to couple that with data, because uh, you know I'm 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 inc- increasingly surprised by how some of what I would see as my more intelligent friends, a number of friends are, of my friends, I would say tend to be more sort of like socially liberal in their viewpoints uh and you know they're intelligent they would see themselves as informed and they they share things on social media which isn't actually backed by any truth or data (laughs) it's just it's like an opinion you know so i think actually being able to go to real data and go look these are the facts is great but then also not invalidate people's personal experiences where sometimes it doesn't matter if uh, what what the data is if i'm feeling threatened and not included that i I can say that you know and um this is Sorry. No, absolutely. And, and let's make sure because because the whole idea of inclusion is everyone should be included. Right. You shouldn't feel excluded, but we should all be behind that agenda and that ambition, you know, to be the most inclusive place for everyone. And so let's all get behind that that agenda. Yeah. And I think there's something that perhaps it's too early to talk about. But, you know, there is when you talked about some people have to leave. And I think that's the almost the shadow of any culture change program. If you're going to change a culture, some people who are happy with the culture that's being replaced are no longer going to fit. And that is, you know, like how you transition those people. There's all sorts of ways you can do that in a you know, very humanitarian way. But I think sometimes we don't like to talk about that. Is yeah, some people will go, I, I'm, this, this is not what I joined. You know? It's not what I want. And that's, yeah. and, and that's OK, too. You know, if it's just if it's not what you want, I mean, some people like big organizations, some people don't, some people like small, some people like different. Some people want to be a specialist in just their thing and they don't want to be bothered with all the other things. And that's okay too. But let's let's talk about it. Let's understand, you know, where you're coming from, what your perspective is. And um, and let's 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 find the I mean, I'm big on. On 
the vision and the 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 north star that we're trying to to go you know to get to and ensuring that we paint that picture really clearly and and if we paint that picture really clearly there's many different ways to achieve that there's many different roads to get to that that picture and so my road may be slightly different from someone else's road right but but let's listen to all the different perspectives as long as everyone wants to get to that end objective that we're trying to to reach for then we're good right fantastic now let's if there's different ways in which we can get there let's listen let's understand but then if you say actually that on end objective that you're trying to get to is really not for me then you know then of course then it means you're not in the right place right yeah it's a beautiful point we got to because we try and make this half an hour and our half an hour is just shot by and I was about to ask you, you know, how might you end? But I think you might have ended there with a beautiful what we need, right, is this vision, this North Star, get everyone buying into it. And then, of course, if you don't buy into that, then you, know, you don't buy into it, right? So, um, well, just um, it's great to talk to you and I, I hope we can talk to you again because it seems like the beginning of a conversation. But, I mean, I'd just be interested in if there's anything, you know, obviously this, we're in this extraordinary moment in time. You talked about that, you know, that an opportunity has opened up. What you're doing is clearly uh, very proactive uh, to bring about change. I mean, is um, in terms of the next year or even the next kind of what's right ahead of you, what are you? Uh, what have you got to look forward to in terms of, uh, of of driving the inclusion agenda in Accenture or in life in general? Oh wow! I mean, but that's that's another half hour discussion. Do we make that part <laughs> too? Then <laughs> we can make that part too. Look, I think what I'm looking for, look, I'm looking looking forward to right now is probably just taking a break over Christmas with family and friends, um, which which is is in in only two and a half weeks or so. So I'm really excited about that. But in terms of next year, I think, you know, I am. The more I have these conversations, the more I'm actually. Um, driven to learn more and understand more because that's not something I've focused on a lot through my career and we haven't really talked that much about it because I've typically just gotten on with it and just done what I've had to do and the more I become you know a senior leader in in the uh, in the industry you know it's clear that there's a lot more impact and value that I can bring and add and so the more I learn about this I'm I'm curious I want to learn more I don't have it all I have serious biases myself so I need to also learn a lot and develop and grow and I think the more that we're all keen on doing that the better the cultural environments and the organizations are going to get better so that's I'm looking forward to continuing to learn more and but continue to do what I do which is not focused on this but it's focused on on interesting client work and client transformations and um, keen to make sure that I am a better leader for the people that come after me. Well, thank you very much. You, you've clearly triggered my curiosity, so I have a million questions. But let, let's leave it there. That was fantastic. And uh, thank you for coming. And, uh, and you know, have a great Christmas, right, with your family. Thank you. And you too. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Thanks for listening. Please leave us your comments and remember to subscribe to the Plan C podcast with Neil Gibb and Dave Lester.